Today's corporate prayer is about moving closer to God. It's been prompted by uh, reflecting a little bit on Sam's church birthday message last week on following Jesus. And it also links in, it links in with what Sarah was uh, talking about a little while ago about reaching out into other areas of our community around us. So shall we pray? Father, we thank you for our Hills Church. We thank you for our fellowship in this body of Christ, in this community, in this country, and in this time where we can come together to worship, to learn more about you, and to support and encourage one another. We thank you for the freedom that we have from mockery and repression and persecution from which our brothers and sisters suffer elsewhere in other parts of the world. You have blessed us so much, Father, in so many ways for which we are truly thankful. But as your body, we know that you have meaning and plans and purposes for us and for our church, purposes more than meeting just regularly for worship, prayer and teaching and fellowship. Father, we do acknowledge Jesus' great commandment to go and make disciples, and you know what we have done so far in passing on the message to the younger generation. And you know what we have done so far in other nations. But if we could have done more, we ask for your forgiveness. Or if we can do more now and in the future, we ask for your leading, your guidance and your encouragement. Father, we are a little saddened when we hear of other hills churches closing or amalgamating especially those where congregation age and inactivity and loss of energy and sense of mission have taken from those churches meaning and purpose. Father, we pray that we can, we can become even more vigorous and more active with clearer meaning and purpose. Help us, as our Lord Jesus said, to wake up, to strengthen what remains and get on with deeds which are unfinished. Father, we pray you will continue to help us understand that who you are, your nature, your character, your ways, your plans and your purposes, they're all everlasting and on which we can depend and trust. Father, we pray that you will deepen and strengthen our understanding of who you are now in whatever may lie ahead. And especially, Father, help us draw closer and closer to you in our prayers, in our commitment, in our obedience, so that more and more we can hear and understand your plans and purposes for us. Father God, we ask that you will reveal yourself to us more and more and reveal your plans and purposes for us, both as a church and individually. And Father, we pray that you will continue to grow us and prepare us for those revelations so that when we respond, we will be obedient. It will be immediate, it will be thorough, and it will deepen and strengthen our faith and trust in you. Please, Father, increase in us all the longing to seek you and to grow closer and closer to you as we see you at work more and more in our midst. And we ask these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Richard. In fact, it's very relevant because uh, 
whole talk is about heaven. We don't get much closer to God than that, but uh, we've got to live out the, uh, the here and now. Thank you for that beautiful worship time. Just the words, thank you, Nadine and team. It was just uh, fantastic. Continuing this morning in the theme of in his words, and Jesus talks about heaven. In John's gospel, uh, Jesus comforts us by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. They're not mansions, in fact. It's a mistranslation. They're many rooms, resting place. If it were not so, would I have not told you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. This passage is most commonly heard at funeral services <laughs> where heaven or the possibility of an afterlife is, life is very much in, in people's thoughts. So despite saying I would not speak again, <clears throat> I find myself here and challenged to speak about heaven. Um, in fact, one of uh, uh, people in our home group, uh, when I raised the topic, said, uh, don't go there, <laughs> which is it's a huge topic. But I haven't listed, no, don't go there, no, I don't mean, <laughs> don't, take, don't take on the subject, oh, oh, no, sorry, thank you, Sam, yeah, no, no, please, Lord. <laughs> uh, uh, so I've enlisted the help of a number of people to try and present some thoughts and ideas of heaven for you to consider. What I will not try to do is to give you specific answers about what I or others may think about heaven, but to present you with some biblical concepts for you to grapple with. Heaven is a mystery, but we have some clues. But we can only consider a few of them this morning as it is a very large topic. I'm also aware that there are uh, people who uh, claim to have uh, gone to heaven, uh, have died, and then have come back to earth. And um, I don't discount that. In fact, we know somebody, a close person in our family, who's had that experience. But um, uh, I don't want to discount that, but it is very subjective material, and I don't wish to, to major on that, but I certainly acknowledge it. So as I've said, in recent weeks I've spoken with a number of uh, of people including our life group and people's thoughts vary greatly about what and where heaven is and what it could be like. One person, and I'll name her, is Judy Potter. You know Judy is, uh, is a very straight shooter and uh, we said, what do you think Judy? And she said, oh, I said, I think, I think I might have some difficulty about falling down and throwing crowns at the throne, like I sort of it was a deck coits game or something. You know? And I thought, well, that's true, you know, because in our, in our natural understanding, <laughs> it would be, you know, sorry, Judy, but I did ask her permission. Um, here are a couple of uh, Hollywood concepts, Dave, if you could just uh, flick up the first, uh, the first two. Now, this was a lovely drawing by uh, Jess um, Arbor Ar Arbery. And the second one is more, probably more common. Isn't that lovely? Uh, <laughs> is that a younger Soren, do you think? <laughs> Sorry, move, moving right along. Right. Um, I think most of us at one time or other have thought about where heaven might be. We gaze up into the skies by day and the stars at night as Jesus, after all, ascended to, through the clouds. And here are just a few examples of skies and stars. So, David, if you could just, uh, just, just flick through some of these. 
just wisdom through. That's lovely. You know, we wake up some. Look at that one, isn't it fantastic? The aurora lights, is it? What do they call it? Fantastic. Yeah. And the sun, the sun's always shining, isn't it, above the clouds? The sun and the moon. Beautiful rainbow. I love getting up early in the morning and watching the sun coming up and having a cup of tea with God and talking to the Lord in the mornings. Just as the sun comes up, you get those beautiful orange skies. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? Billions and billions of stars. Not one of them is missing. Thank you. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. These are from uh, the Hubble uh, telescope. Just extraordinary, isn't it? The, the, the amazing stars which are up there, which we can't see, of course, with the human eye, but some of the amazing, amazing pictures of way beyond our... Our understanding, really, isn't it? It's just how far is heaven? Thank you. Um, here are also a couple of other pictures we're going to put up here of uh, the beauty of an unspoilt creation. We could have added magnificent birds and butterflies and all the other amazing creatures which display such colourful creativity. But you will, you will have your own favourite pictures, some of them got on the walls, but a place of, 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 of creation. But I'm sure you get the idea. Do we have, have those just uh, last couple up there, Dave? Just uh, uh, That's National Park up here at um, um, Mount Lofty, Mount Lofty Gardens. It's just gorgeous, isn't it, in autumn? Um, this is a very special one coming up. It's called Russell Floors. Russell Floors is actually in New Zealand, but it's just a lovely, lovely waterfall. Um, <clears throat> And there was a beautiful sky there. Thanks, David. Another thought is, what will we do? There is an indication in Scripture that we will rule and reign with him. In 2 Timothy and 1 Corinthians 6, it indicates that we shall judge angels. It appears that it will be, Mon, if you'd like to make your way up, sorry, wherever you are. Yeah. It appears that it will be meaningful work. But with who and, uh, and how long is another subject in itself. But Mon had a beautiful thought as we were talking about it. And if you'd like just to share that with us. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I had an experience a couple of years ago which uh, just gave me an excitement for what that long, long, long eternal life thing <laughs> might be like. It was just uh, the idea of eternal life is like, oh, that's a long time. And I just sort of had a sense of excitement, didn't have a sense of excitement about it until I sort of had this experience. So my husband and I were driving back from Darwin um, a couple of years ago and it's a drive I've done before and we were just doing it in a quick three-day transferring a bus from Darwin to Adelaide. And um, as we were driving along, that season had had a lot of rain and so that drive was different because the environment was different. There was a lot more greenery around and um, trees with um, uh, blossoms and stuff on them. It was just different. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be amazing being like a truck driver or something and doing that journey over and over again to see um, how the environment changed through the seasons and through the years and all of that. And then sort of that idea of 
just really getting to know something extended to coming into Alice Springs and going, well, this is an amazing community. Again, an amazing environment. Wouldn't it be amazing to spend like 20 years here doing, you know, getting to know the people, getting to know the environment, really understanding it. It's like, well, what about if we then go, you know, how many hundred kilometres down and go into that community and get to know that community and spend 20 years there and getting to know everything about that? And it just kind of rolled into, wow, I could spend like a lot of time, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, getting to know the world that we live in or the space that we live in and the people that are around it. And it's just like, oh, yeah, eternal life could be like really fun. <laughs> Beautiful, Mon. Thank you. you. You can be our tour leader as we go off on a, on a journey around the world. Okay. Well, probably most people have some difficulty with the thought of being in an eternal worship service. And we love worship, but the descriptions and the descriptions of revelation of four-headed beasts and wings creatures hovering about are really outside most people's experience or comprehension. However, much of the language in Revelation, and partic- particularly, is symbolic and veiled language describing a mystery. What is clear from this book, and also in other prophetic books, such as Isaiah, is they're about the future and God's final triumph over sin and death and separation, ushering in a new heaven and a new earth, as it was in the beginning. Paradise lost, paradise restored. Revelation 21 says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Such an encouraging thing. So God intends for us to be with him in eternity. And for those overcomers whose faith is in Christ, that's all it takes, isn't it? Faith in Christ. We will be welcomed as the way or the portal in modern language. The portal has been opened by Jesus through his substitutional death on a cross. Now, we're going to be, Daniel um, Zapier, if you'd like to come up, uh, it's just lovely that uh, we're going to get, Daniel's going to sing us a song, which is, uh, I think it's his first time on the platform for us, so make him feel welcome as he just uh, <laughs> sticks. Uh, I asked, asked him to think about a song for us, and uh, he's come up with this uh, uh, beautiful song, and uh, we're going to enjoy that from Daniel. Thank you. Plug it in. It's a song by the Afters, and it's called "Well Done." And, uh, we may, we may see. Yep, we have noise. Hello, everybody. I just have to. Sam, you're a bit taller than me, mate. I just uh, it could be my guitar feeding back. Let me just drop that a little bit. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Uh, yeah, when Mike asked me to uh, uh, write a song a few weeks ago, I well, it was actually two weeks ago, I thought that might be a little bit challenging with the work schedule. So uh, instead I trolled through some of the songs that I had on my 
on my phone and uh, came up with uh, this one. It's a song by a band called The Afters. And Dave, I'm not sure if we ended up getting the lyrics working, but uh, yeah, feel free to read along as I uh, go through this. And just to warn you all, I am a guitarist that sings. I'm not a singer that plays guitar, if that makes any sense to you all. What will it be like When my pain is gone And all the worries of this world just fade so much, Dan. It was a lovely song. I'll just have a, I'll have a drink while you're here. Have some preacher's petrol. <laughs> Thank you. That's just beautiful. There is a historic, uh, historical concept of three heavens. The sky as we know it, as we've seen it, birds in the clouds, and the, then there's the stars, and then finally the third heaven, where God himself uh, rules and reigns. Paul, and Paul claims to have visited the third heaven, but cannot speak about it other than say that it is inexpressible. He refers to it as paradise. He also said it's incomprehensible for our current understanding or our experience. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. More real than what we're experiencing right now. It's like an option A and an option B. We, uh, as Richard prayed, you know, we, we, we live in a, in a very affluent um, uh, place in the world. We're not persecuted as such. We get a few people being rude, but... Um, Many of us, we think it's as good as it gets. You know, sometimes you you look out. I don't know. You've had those experiences where uh, you're sitting somewhere and the sun comes up and there's music playing or the birds are singing. You maybe you're with somebody you love and you go, ah, oh, this is as good as it gets. And that's option A because that's what we think is really good. But that's not really the real reality, is it? It's only just a glimpse of what might be. So the option B is, in fact, to be with God, where everything is perfect. However, for Paul, the reality of this experience drove his missionary journeys, but it kept him humble and dependent. Now, Paul was, of course, was, was um, outstanding, was called by God especially to do those journeys. But he says he was compelled to act by the love of Christ. He was able to endure suffering and persecutions, beatings and imprisonment because he saw God's great love story of redemption especially to the non-Jewish people. He was so enamoured with Jesus and God that even in the midst of a long letter to the church at Rome, it was all about doctrine, he bursts into praise. This is no Bible school lecture, they're going through doctrine. As Sowen Hughes pointed out that this doctrine develops into doxology, 
listen to this. So in the midst of this great chapters on, 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 uh, on doctrine, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Right in the middle of a passage of doctrine, he can't help himself. Option B, he saw what was true. Now, C.S. Lewis, some of you know, is one of the highly gifted writers of the 20th century. That was the century I was born in, good century. Uh, He was an academic at both Oxford and Cambridge, as well as being a theologian. He had an amazing imagination and knowledge and was probably best known for writing the Chronicles of Narnia. Who's who's read the Chronicles of Narnia? Oh, gosh, that's a lot of you. That's fabulous. Fantastic books, aren't they? In his book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Four children find an old cupboard in the disused uh, room, as you know, and they climb into it. It's full of fur coats, but as they push deeper into the cupboard, they find the coats turning into branches of fir trees. And the next second, they're out into a new snow-covered world. The adventures begin. Wonderfully written story, tell, uh, written, telling God's story through a children's book, which, like all good books, we know are really written for adults. Alongside this world, just as close as going through a wardrobe, is another world, a spiritual world. Let's have a look at this short video clip and see if it helps you form some ideas of where heaven is. And Dave, if you could uh, click this on, uh, it's entitled, Where is Heaven? When you went. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, But here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together, perfectly no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. 
Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So, God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So, how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So, we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. Literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so, what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple, he's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space To be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So, in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. 
Interesting little clip, isn't it? Makes you think. As I said at the beginning, I'm not giving you prescriptive answers. We're waiting a new body, therefore we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away when you get into your 70s, you certainly know that, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Dear Tina, uh, not able to be with us this morning, she sent a message, but when we asked her in the home group, well, what, what do you think it's going to be like? And she very excitedly said, I'm going to get a new body and I'm going to be on an adventure with Jesus every day. And I think she summed it up really well. Second Corinthians tells us that uh, we know that if the earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. And it goes right back to the Garden of Eden again, doesn't it? For, if in the, for while we're in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit. Isn't that great? To be filled with the spirit, to actually have a deposit, a little sort of, this is just a down payment, knowing what's going to come. Selwyn Hughes writes again, he says, the happiest people on earth, someone said, are those who keep their eyes focused on heaven. The psalmist in uh, Psalm 16 wrote, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Joy will be found when we get to heaven through realisation, but it can be found now by anticipation. Hebrews chapter 11 is full of stories of faith in the Old Testament, people who were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, because God has put eternity in our hearts and we're looking for something we know we don't really quite belong here, however it may good it may seem, we're looking for something further so then how should we live therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we're in the home in the body we are away from the lord for we live by faith not by sight we are confident i say and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the lord and when you read stories of people like david watson and paul himself writes you know when you get a glimpse of heaven and understanding plan b the the real the reality you want to go there uh, but in the natural responses, you want to stay with your family and you, you, you care about those things. But plan B is when the, it becomes stronger and stronger. People want to go home to be with Jesus. They realise how good it's going. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due Due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so Paul prays for the church at Ephesus, and, and, and we're included in this, in this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask, all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So God doesn't want robotic obedience but passionate engagement. The bottom line is that God loves us so much in Christ. He wants us to make it to heaven by putting our trust in Christ so that we can be with him forever. <laughs> Amen. I think, did you enjoy Daniel's song, the words of that song? Well, just by amazing coincidence, the band are going to come up and play. We just at the last minute photographed, photostatted the music. So, Danny, if you'd like to come up and the band, and uh, we, we can sing that together. Uh, Dave, can you throw up the, the clip? Is that, have you got that or is that too hard? Just, just the words. No, the words will be fine. Whatever you've got. And uh, the band are going to, to uh, Dan's going to join with the band. And... Great. Thank you so much, Mike. Um, as as Mike was speaking, I was just reminded of um, uh, it was kind of a word that was given. I was speaking with the youth on Friday night. We were talking about um, why does God allow pain and suffering in our world? And uh, the last point was that God has a bigger perspective, and sometimes He uses that to remind us that and turn our face to Him. And as as that. Um, the, the video of the the, the red world uh, came upon me. I was just reminded of that, and and Kathy said uh, at youth group she said maybe sometimes we need the reminding that the life is that, that there's something wrong in us is is an echo of making us think about how we need to be in the dwelling place of God. We need to be with Him again. That there's. There's that hole in our soul that I talked about last week. There's this, there's this desire to have the blue space uh, in us. And so I just had the sense of, uh, are you feeling like you're living in a red world uh, with the pain? Do you have suffering? Do you have um, sin abounding? Do you have uh, things happening in your life that's, that's striving? And maybe that's enabling you to go, ah, oh, this isn't my, this isn't right. This isn't good for me. This isn't what God has for me ultimately. He desires for me to be in his presence, for us to be in communion again, uh, for, for all that to, to be passing away because that's how we're designed. We're designed to long for that. And so enable, uh, maybe as we sing this song again, if you're, if you're struggling, if, you, if there's something in your life that, that, is, that is really hard, um, maybe the Lord's using that to say, "Hey, this isn't this isn't right, but I've got a better place, and I've got I've got something. I've got heaven coming to earth for you, and and let us now be in that moment together and enjoy fellowship and enjoy communion." So as we sing this song, I just encourage you: if that's you and you love prayer, or you want to come out the front, or maybe you just want to hold your hands up in surrender and say, "Lord, I need your presence." May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, here right now in this place and in my heart. So let's do that. Dan, will you lead us again? As we, yeah, that'd be great. 
I don't know if we got have we got other musos to help or I can I can play drums with you maybe. Would you like to? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Let's stand. stayed with me um, was what Monica said about um, eternity kind of only looks appealing with the right conditions and uh, it was this idea that uh, we need no requirements or limitations on our time. We need uh, renewed and infallible bodies, uh, a space where stress and the stress of and anxiety of providing uh, or where anxiety about safety doesn't exist, where faith doesn't automatically come with persecution like many experience. We need an expanded understanding and a renewed mind, an increased perspective of an immense plane of existence. We need a renewed, redeemed community with a singular and eternal purpose. (laughs) I got that from Monica. Don't don't look at me. Um, Why don't we uh, close in prayer? God, we uh, thank you that you created a space where you dwell in us. We thank you that you've given hope beyond our circumstances. We thank you that you've got something else in mind for us. And we thank you that there's a place for all your children. Amen. Well, if you want to uh, hang around and get some, spend some time in prayer, We're going to be here at the front. There's also a prayer room if you want to spend some time praying with someone one-on-one more privately. Uh, Go into your weeks in peace. Thank you.